Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Welcome back to the Gathering in the Lamp podcast. It's episode seven. This week we're missing the silky dulcet tones of Mr. Mark Jarobi as he's not very well. But as always, we'll strive to do our best in terms of offering you some Aston Villa related entertainment. As always, I'm Regan. You can find me on Twitter at FindFoy. And this week I'm joined by Andy. Hi guys. Um, good to be back. Um, my name's Andy and I'm on Twitter at at K2 underscore Villa. Um, just looking forward to getting into this and, and really uh, celebrating, I suppose. Things are going really, really well for us at the minute, so um, can't wait to get into it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, on Sunday, as everyone is very, very well aware, Aston Villa found their way to another Premier League win against Leicester City, stretching their 100% record across another game. You know, the opening 20 or so minutes of this game were, were pretty lacklustre for both teams. You know, I do feel for, for anyone that was watching it via pay-per-view. Um, you know, I, in fact, most of the first half was, was pretty lacklustre. You know, did you personally see a, a potential loss looming on the horizon or do you think it was a case of, of two good sides cancelling each other out? Well, I think I think the way the season's going so far... Um, Anything is possible, isn't it? I mean, clearly we were the the informed team, but then you know Leicester have, aside from one result, had a had a really good start as well. And I suppose you're always waiting for that that bubble to burst with Villa, aren't you? So it's it, it, there's always that 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 chance that you know we could we could get on the end of a a bit of a defeat. Um, but having said that, I mean, you know, I I, I was fo- I was following the game. I wasn't. I didn't pay the pay per view to what to watch it, um, so I was following the game, and and from what I could hear and the reports was that uh, you know that both sides were were, were sort of cancelling each other out, and you know that that's certainly the impression I got then from 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 watching you know the highlights and and, and things like that as as well. So you know it's 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 certainly. Um, Certainly, that sort of game, and I, I, I suppose I kind of expected that. But, but, but funny enough, I don't, I don't know about you. I, I wasn't that surprised when we, when we scored the winner late on. It was kind of, it felt like, like that, that was that was very very possible as as things went on. And I think, you know, Villa were, were the better side in the second half, and you know, it it was it was kind of. You know, no surprise that, that that they kind of pushed forward and you know and took that chance. I don't, I don't know what you thought. I mean, I, I guess you watched watched the game live, Regan. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, yeah, I think I think especially in the second half, we were the with the side that that had the better chances. I think we had the better chances throughout the game, really. Um, but you, you mentioned earlier the the 
you're always kind of expectant of the the villa bubble bursting um and you know i felt that you know, two two seasons ago when we went on that ten game unbeaten streak to end up in the playoffs and obviously eventually get promoted. Um you know, I was I was just constantly waiting and thinking this bubble's gonna burst. And you know, one one loss in that kind of ten streak ten win streak uh could have very easily uh, stopped us from getting into the playoffs. So, you know, the, the fact that this is um you know, pretty unprecedented that that Villa have won four on the bounce in the Premier League. I think for the first time in like ninety years. Um, you know, it's it's something to kind of bask in, but also at the same time, you you've got to be very wary of 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 the said bubble bursting. Um, the the first half, you know, as I said, it was we've already said it. You know, that it was very much a case of two sides cancelling each other out. But I think that Villa did have the best chance in in the first half, and that came from Trezeguet. You know, uh, Jack Grealish cut back in a, a central, cut the ball back into a central position, and uh, Trezeguet managed to get there ahead of, I believe it was uh, the, the debutant Wesley Fafana, and he just sliced the ball just wide of the post. Um, and it, I don't want to really go too much in depth into into Trezeguet's miss, but I want to go further in depth into Trezeguet himself. You know, I feel he's gone from strength to strength since the season resumed um, after it was obviously postponed last season, and. For me, he's almost undroppable. You know, his tireless work rate, both offensively and defensively, he's he's unmatched, and he's he's contributing to both phases of play. Do you think that that Traore, the the new signing, is going to struggle to get into the squad unless there's an injury? Because I mean, Trezeguet is, is very much on form at the moment. Yeah, I think I think absolutely. Tre- Trezeguet is the man with the shirt, isn't he? And and he's 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 proving an awful lot of people, you know, very wrong in their initial assessment of him um i mean yeah he 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 probably took time to 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 settle into the pace of the premier league last season and and maybe to just find his 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 way in the team because i think as well he was he was in and out because he was kind of sharing the shirt with with El Ghazi last season who was who was probably the better the better of the two in the first part of the season um but we certainly saw glimpses in the early season last year of of Trezeguet's um, ability, particularly sort of his his ability to get into dangerous areas, into goal scoring areas. Um, <clears throat> I think maybe he just lacked lacked a, a little bit of pace, um, or, or seemed to. But I think when, as part of the, an overall kind of team team dynamic, he like you say he he does both sides of the games really really well and his fitness levels have, have have just shot up you know he's 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 comfortably getting through getting through these games um i know they tend to take take him off um for trail tri- later on but but he's really putting in putting the shifts in and he's becoming you know a real favorite i think with the fans um yeah, Traore's got it all to do. He's got to, He's got to step it, step up and, and and prove his worth when he gets his opportunities. Um, and I, I I think he will as well. I think I feel quite good about that signing. So, um, you know, I, 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 like I said, I, did, I didn't see the game, but it sounded like you know Trezeguet was again sort of just all out, all over the the pitch really, and um, 
I don't know whether you saw that heat that that heat map or the 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 average position, and he was actually quite his average position was actually quite deep on on Sunday from what I saw. Um, I don't know if you saw that, Regan. I didn't see the heat map, no. But I mean, you know, just from um, you know watching the game, you can see how he's kind of contributing and aiding Matty Cash. And I think you know with, with it, it, it's kind of bad to, to presume, but um, based from what I saw from when Troy came onto the pitch, you know, I feel like Matty Cash would have been in a much more uncomfortable position if if Traore had played the majority of the game over Trezeguet. And I think you know, d- despite the fact that he's deep, he does have the pace or the 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 tactical like kind of know how to. Despite being in a in a deep position, you know, get the ball up the pitch or or get himself up the pitch, um, you know. And you said you know he does look he does look incredibly fit, and I think you know it's it's he's not being subbed off early um, per se because he's playing badly. He's been subbed off because he's absolutely run himself into the ground, and he's been doing this every single game. You know, the amount of the amount of times I've seen journalists on on Twitter, um, and, you know, I thought it myself that he's just like non-stop. It's almost like you know you, you're watching um, a greyhound down the tracks chasing the kind of mechanical rabbit, and you know he, he's non-stop in in search of the ball when it's in his kind of side of the pitch. Um, but yeah, very much like Douglas Louise, he kind of he he joined at a similar time to Louise, and I think they both kind of found their feet in in the Premier League at around the same time. Um, so I do think that he's he like Louise has kind of got used to the, the the pace of the Premier League. You know, they've got better grasp of the language and all that all that kind of stuff. So I think for me, you know, he's. I've seen all this stuff on on social media of late saying like, oh, you know, Aston Villa's midfield four is kind of slept on, and they mention, uh, you know, Jack, they mention McGinn, they mention Louise, and they mention Barkley, but it should be a midfield five because you've got to mention you've got to mention Trezeguet in that, you know, I think they might think of him as an attacker or something, but the, what he does in terms of uh, that how we've won these four games is is outstanding. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I mean, the other thing to remember, of course, is that without Trezeguet, we're probably not in the Premier League um, this season because undoubtedly his goals against Palace and, and Arsenal um, kept us up, didn't they? Really, or, or certainly gave us the opportunity to stay up. So, you know, he's, he's a bit of a hero in that respect um, as well. And, you know, I, I'm really pleased as well that the the fans are warming to him because it's never nice to see a, a, you know a player that comes comes in and makes a big change in his life to to come in and and all, almost isn't wanted you know and and um, you know really good to see him kick on and yeah it just shows we we didn't need Rashidza we didn't need Ben Rama as things stand you know so it's 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 great it's it's great news yeah I, I mean. We're recording this on Tuesday, and I've got a, an article coming out tomorrow, so that'll be Wednesday. I'm not sure when this podcast will go out. Likely be Thursday, um, but I've got an article coming out about how Trezeguet has kind of defied all of his critics, um, and, and it has taken him some time. You know, he was criticised 
while he was at Andelect for his uh, lack of tactical awareness. And he was criticised, he went on loan to a Royal Excel Muscron, I think. I've probably butchered that pronunciation. But um, the manager there said that, you know, he he's a willing runner, but he runs everywhere but the places he's supposed to be running. Um, and, you know, he's been faced with so much criticism by past managers and and our own fans you know at stages last season um and he's kind of proving everyone wrong it became a bit of a, a joke towards the last kind of couple of games um of, of last season where you know he, he scored against Palace and he scored against Arsenal and you'd you'd see people on Twitter kind of saying oh Trezeguet's this Trezeguet's that because every time they did it he'd pop up at the back post with a goal um so yeah, it is great to see him kind of defy these these critics and and really progress in his career. You know, um, there's a reason he's called the Prince of Egypt because you know he's not in the same bracket as Mohamed Salah, but you know, in in terms of Villa's level, he absolutely is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's he he's he's obviously a talented player. I don't want to see him get labelled as this as some sort of workhorse either, though. He's he's that's part of what he does, and that's a really big. Part of why he's in the team, but he's got he's he's got a touch as well, and he, he can take a player on, and he can score goals. Um, so uh, you know he's he's a really good he's he's turning into a really good signing. Um, I just hope it I just hope it carries on for him. Um, I would like to see Traore because I'm quite intrigued by how he's gonna how he's gonna fit in, but at the minute. There's no Trezeguet in there, absolutely. Yeah, I suppose um, I suppose Suso did a couple of things right then with uh, with, with Trezeguet and Douglas Luiz. Uh, but <laughs> he might but you know, in that in that regard, I do know that Dean Smith <laughs> yeah. went with Suso to scout Trezeguet, so maybe it was Dino that pushed for it over uh, uh, Jesus Pitark. Yeah, I, I th- I'm sure Dean Dean would have had to have um, uh, um, rubber stamped, so to speak, any. Uh, any new signings, and I'm sure he did go and watch him, and they they went with him, and you know it's paying dividends. But Dean Smith is has got a track record for 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 getting the best out of players and and improving their their levels as well. And and Trezeguet for me certainly falls into that because if if what what you say is about his his tactical awareness and his positional awareness at, at previous clubs is is true, then. There's certainly that's not there anymore, so that that's a that's a, a big um, sort of thumbs up to our coaching staff, I think, and Dean Smith. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's part of you know the, the article that I wrote. Um, you know, it's very much saying that Trezeguet is pretty much the the uh, epitome of of Dean Smith's ability to help a player evolve and and become better. Um, but anyway, back to the Leicester game. Uh, just before half time, um, you know, it was probably the highlight of the half, really. Matty Cash produced probably one of the best cynical fells that I've I've ever seen from a Villa player. Um, you know, it was almost like he was in a foot race with Harvey Barnes, and he just kind of lost his footing and slid across the floor on his knees, um, but managed to grab a hold of Barnes's leg, almost like a dog trying not to lose his bone. Um, and it's it's nice to see, you know, it's a there's a balance between you know, nice football and nasty football coming through at Villa. You know, there was all this stuff um, in the in the Tottenham Hotspur documentary on 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 uh, Amazon Prime 
um, where Mourinho was like kind of lambasting his his team, saying that they're too nice. They're they're all nice guys, and then he needs them to be a the c word. I won't I won't repeat it, but um, you know it, it, it's nice to see that we're not just going to like you know slide on our knees when we've we've fallen. We'll we'll take the player with us regardless of how it happens. If it means we're getting a yellow card, we're going to get a yellow card. Um, so it is real real good to see the kind of dark arts of football coming out every once in a while. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think I think we were labelled and, and people were saying last season that we are too nice and that we reflect our manager because Dean Smith is a nice chap um, and we're too nice and all this. Um, but, but I think sometimes that's just the part of the development of a team, isn't it? And I, don't, I, I mean, I don't want to be a hypocrite because I, I was on a podcast on here after the Sheffield United game and I was talking about the fact that I, I don't really like that cynical fouling and that tactical fouling. I think it's something that that needs to go out of the game, really. <clears throat> but at the same time, um, it's it's it shows a desire to win. It shows that we, we're not just just nice guys, nice sort of whipping boys. We, we want to win at, at all costs. And Matt, Matt Cash feels like he's got that in him you know but but other players have developed that as well i think obviously Douglas Lewis and McGinn particularly you know they they have that in them and and sometimes you need that and you need to be to to put the the benefit of the team ahead of yourself and you know that that was just the epitome of that wasn't it um so yeah i i, I as a football viewer Tactical fouling frustrates me, um, particularly when it goes unpunished. But you know, it, from from our point of view, I'd rather we were doing it and getting away with it than 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 the other team. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I I, I did kind of sit and watch this foul and think a bit like, oh, it's a risky one. Um, you know, on another day that could have quite easily been a red. Um, but I think you know. I think I oppose you in in that I quite like it. You know, it it's a player realizing that perhaps. I mean, cynical fouls generally come when 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 someone's made a mistake. Um, you know, whether it's the player that commits the foul or whether it's a, a teammate. You know, there's a reason why that foul needs to be made, but it needs to be made to stop a, a potential goal scoring opportunity. And I think you know, whilst. Um, there are players that, that that commit them quite often. I know Conor Herrihan is is one in our in our ranks that commits them quite often, and the same with Douglas Luiz. He actually did it later on in this game, um, but it it shows a willingness to to you know, I guess get dirty for the badge, which is you know what what you do like to see as a fan. Uh, obviously, when it happens to to you, and it's generally a foul on Jack Grealish that that it happens um, when it's against Aston Villa. But you know it is. Um, it is something that you like to see when it's not happening to your players. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, it, it it's another sign of a development within the team and within the mentality that 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 Smith and the coaches are, are getting across to the players. Um, I don't want to watch Villa being a dirty team um, by any means, but it's about it's it's about that commitment and that that that. That's kind of taking one for the team, I guess. That that um, that I do, I do like, I do like to see. Even though if it's it's 
it's it's not ideal in the game. I think I think it might be something they look at eventually. I think whether it's you know punishing like red cards for fouls like that, or um, or that the, the kind of accumulative um, team red card, if you like. So if, if when they rotate this the tactical fouls that they might and they do it in rugby, but then you know a similar sort of thing where if they're rotating the fouls. Eventually, someone gets sent off for it, whether it's their first one or not. So, um, they might look at that, and I'll, I would probably be in favour of that. But at the moment, yeah, I'll take it all day long. <laughs> um, in the second half, the game kind of continued to stumble towards its conclusion, and both sides really struggled to grab an inch of dominance whilst on the pitch. You know, as we've already said, it the, the, it, it is a good sign that Villa were cancelling a team like Leicester out. Granted, they had a number of players missing through injury, but it's it's great to see that we were able to kind of go toe-to-toe with Leicester, who, you know, are, are Champions League hopefuls this year. Um, but it turned out to be Ross Barkley who would take the game into his own hands in the 91st minute, with John McGinn finding the midfielder in acres of space before he took a chance on his right foot, which dropped underneath Schmeichel and into the net. Now, Barkley was nursing a knee injury throughout the game, and you know, it, to me, it was visible that you know he was dropping deep to get on the ball, and and sometimes looked like he wasn't perhaps moving as as well as he could have been or should have been. Um, but you know, he scored this goal and and kind of ran about for a bit before dedicating his goal to to a member of the medical team who had worked with him during the week to ensure that he'd be somewhat game ready. You know, it's two goals in two for now for Barkley, and he looks like he's you know in love with the team in love with the place and in, in love with the staff um, how interesting is it to see how seamlessly he's kind of fit into the squad I mean it's been I think a, a, the same could be said for for a number of our signings really couldn't it I mean we've talked about Cash we've talked about Martinez in, in previous podcasts but absolutely you know Barkley has just settled in you know like, almost like he's he was he was meant to play for Villa you know he's he's, he's meant to play with with Grealish and McGinn, you know, they seem to know, they seem to have a chemistry already. Um, you know, they're they're all obviously excellent players, but but it doesn't it doesn't mean it, it necessarily works straight away. They they seem to be interchangeable, like like they said. I think and, and and you were saying Barkley was a bit deeper at times in this game, and McGinn was pushed on a bit more. Um, whether that was to do with the injury or just the way the game. Was going and a sort of tactical thing from from Smith, but I mean, I just I'm I'm just I'm just really really excited about having a player like Barkley in in the Villa team. I just think it's you know such a such a, a good signing, such an elite player um, to be available on loan and and to come to Villa is just I just think it's remarkable. Um, hopefully, that any sort of knee injury isn't isn't a problem for him uh, any more than this it was in this game, and he can just continue to to produce these these performances because you know it's and it, and and I've said before on here that he just he it it feels a bit like Grealish just really appreciates having him there as well because it's not all on on Jack to. To, to to make to to make the play 
you know, he's got other people around him that, that, that can share that load with him, which which is what he wanted, wasn't it? So, I mean, you know, what what, what do you think? Do you think he's he's going to kick on? Do you think he'll he'll um, he'll plateau off a bit, or, or do you think he's got the the desire to, to to kick on and get in the England team again? I think he has that desire. You know, we've seen stuff in in the past week where. Um, Dean Smith came out and said that he'd promised Barkley a spot in the Euro squad, um, and you know it's up to Barkley to kind of to meet that. Um, you know, if the rest of the team plays well but Barkley doesn't, then he's not going to get in the squad. So Barkley has to to meet the level of the rest of the team. I do think we're likely to see him plateau at some point. It might be because of an injury. It might be because just generally our, our great form kind of comes to an end. But you know, I do think. He is that elite signing, and it, it's great to see the the improvement in in the type of player that we were looking to bring in uh, over the space of you know two summers. So I think it'll be even more interesting to to give it a look, um, you know, next summer and the quality of player we're bringing in. It obviously depends on where we finish, um, but you, you know it. <sighs> I I can't help but feel sorry for for Conor Harahan. You know, I I do believe he's not a regular Premier League starter, but the man has scored such important goals for the club. You know, you can name so many, and I feel like he's kind of been cast aside a little bit. Um, you know, he's not even come off the bench or any. But obviously, it was a good thing he didn't uh, against Leicester. But you know, I th- I think. The one thing, the one gripe I have with Dean Smith is that he he struggles to give players game time from the bench. Um, you know, especially for playing well. You know, you 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 don't change a winning a winning formula. Um, but you know, if you see a player struggling, if you see a player that's run himself ragged, a bit like Trezeguet, then you know you bring players on. We've got a bench now, but. That those bench players aren't being utilised. You know, Nakamba's not being utilised very often. Uh, Hurricane hasn't been used at all since Barkley's arrival. Granted, it's only been two games, but you know, there's there's a worry for me that we we risk upsetting players and then you disrupt the squad harmony. We've we've seen in the past as well that that Harahane isn't. Uh, necessarily one to to remain quiet he's happy to kind of chat to the press if he's if he's unhappy or if he's happy or or anything like that so yeah that, that's something that I do take a little bit of issue with yeah I think I think where Connor's concerned he's he for me he's 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 written his name into the into Villa history um over the last few years he's been at the club um he's and he's He's stepped up to every level that's been been asked of him, you know, including international level. You know, he's gone all through the leagues and he's playing now playing the Premier League. Um, but there's a natural order of things, isn't there? And uh, you know, there's obviously a feeling that for all the great stuff that that Connor does, um, that 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 maybe they just needed that little bit of extra quality and that extra dominance in midfield. Um, and at the moment, it, it's working. But but then, if if Barkley did have an injury or McGinn had an injury, you'd, you wouldn't hesitate to put Conor Hurahan back in there because you know what you're going to get. You're going to get you know ninety minutes of of pure commitment and a goal threat and an, and a, and a threat of creating a goal as well. So you know that that's the that's the the great thing about the squad this year that we didn't have last year we didn't have any options last year 
on the bench at all, really. Nothing that would come on and you'd think, right, here we go. This year we've got, you know, obviously Traore, but yeah, Connor, Connor as well, and and El Ghazi and and uh, Davis. We've we've got those options now, so he he will get his opportunities, and he will come in and and do what Connor does, and brilliant professional to have around the place. And qu- quite honestly, I, I like the fact that he's a bit outspoken because it probably keeps Dean Smith on his toes as well, reminds him he's he's there and he's he's ready to go. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you, you said that we're getting a bit more quality to the bench, and you know that that improves as well when when Wesley and and Tom Heaton return from their injuries. So you know, it is it is looking like a stronger squad, even with with just a few players, just a portion of the players signed this summer than, than we did last summer. Um, but yeah, it was Barkley that, that may have scored the winning goal. But really, for me, it was it was the Villa defence that won the game. Uh, Martinez was faultless. Tyrone's leadership uh, absolutely outstanding as usual, and Ezri's partnership with him is 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 absolutely sublime and has been since uh, lockdown was lifted on the Premier League. Um, and you know, in this game, both fullbacks didn't really make mistakes either. Um, Matt Target and Matty Cash knew they'd be getting. You know, through a lot of defensive work against Leicester, and and, and they did, um, but you know, many pointed out when we lost to Fulham in in the twenty eighteen playoff final, um, that that Matt Target's protection of of the kind of left hand side allowed Ryan Sessegnon to flourish during um, Fulham's entire campaign. Never mind the the, the playoffs. Um, and you know, similarly, Jack Grealish has kind of been afforded that that greater freedom on the left this season thanks to Target's work. And we, we've discussed Target in depth on previous podcasts, saying that he needs to improve his defensive side of his game. He's attacking; he's absolutely fine. But um, yeah, he, I, I feel Target has improved from what we've seen. Um, you know, he, he did look a little bit out of sorts against Sheffield, but in the last three games, I haven't had a problem with him at all. The, the thing I kind of want to raise, though, is, is how important is it that we keep this defence fit? You know, uh, Bjorn Engels has returned. He returned to the bench against Leicester. But, you know, Mings and Target both missed games through injury last season. Do we look immediately poorer without, you know, Target or Mings or, you know, one of the back four in, in, in their positions? Yeah, I mean... It is a bit of a a bit of a concern. I think I think the main one is is obviously Tyrone Mings, and that's not necessarily to do necessarily just with his performances, um, because I, th- I actually think Cons has probably been better. Um, it's more to do with his leadership, as you, as you mentioned there, and the way he organises that that back four. Um, I imagine that, that that Target benefits from having Mings there. Um, and if you lose Mings, you're probably looking at bringing in Courtney Hawes, which you know I've I've been quite impressed with Hawes on on occasions. I think he's a, a good defender, but it doesn't strike me as being that the, the the leadership type really. So yeah, I think um, it, we would struggle with with less um, with 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 too many injuries. You could probably absorb one. Um, so if you know if if Konza got injured, you could bring in Engels and and I think obviously Engels and Mings had a, had a good partnership last last year and I think Engels is a good player, you know. Um, but yeah, too, too many. If you if you start having two and three injuries in the back four, 
it, it looks a bit it looks a bit shaky to me. Yeah, I, I do agree. And I mean, you know, we do have ample cover. You know, we we spoke about Fred Gilbert. You know, uh, he's the third choice right back. But let's say Cash gets injured and and Gilbert's the the player that that's. Smith picks to replace him. You know, there the, the, the were mentions over the past couple of weeks of of Gilbert's positional awareness. You know, we, we've said before that yeah, his his tackles are strong and gritty, and you know that that they're almost like you know the the kind of tackles that get a, get a stadium on their feet. But he's having to make those tackles because he's out of position, um, and you know once. You've got issues like that in the in the in the, the kind of defensive line, then you immediately look weaker. Um, so I think, yeah, it is it is a weird one. I think I think defense is the place with our our least uh, quality in depth at the moment. You know, I've I've been going on and on about uh, a backup to target because I think Neil Taylor is defensively fairly astute. He does make mistakes, but going forward, he offers nothing. Um, so I think you know perhaps in the January window, if we are to to go for anyone, I think or hope it would be defensive options. Um, but uh, you know, something that we we spoke about earlier was Dean Smith and and his his kind of ability to to help players evolve, and we've seen that with with loads of players. Obviously, the aforementioned Trezeguet, we've seen it with Concer and Mings. Um, but Smith's now been in charge for for two years, you know, two years at the helm. Do you think, arguably, he, despite the fact that we were involved in a relegation battle, which which many of us expected going into the season, do you think that Smith is arguably the most influential manager that Villa have had in in the new millennium? You know, he, how much support do you have for Smith? You know, personally, I wrote things about him last year saying if we, if we went down, we should stick with him. He he needs to build a legacy at Villa, and that is absolutely what he is doing. Well, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Um, I've kind of followed Dean Smith a little bit from his time at Warsaw because um, he used to go and watch Warsaw a bit, and I'm a I'm a massive fan of Dean Smith, and I'll tell anyone <laughs> who wants to listen. Um, and I was really happy when he was appointed um, a couple of years ago. I thought I, d- I didn't see it coming. I thought it looked like we were going to get Thierry Henry, didn't it? And uh, you know, I, I was I was really happy. Um, but if you look back, you know, in just two years, he's obviously he's got us promoted, and he got us to the cup final, and he's kept us up. But he's also broken the record for the number of wins in a row. And if they win on Friday, it'll be the first time they've ever won the first five games of the season, I believe. So, I mean, these are. These are astonishing records, considering, you know how what a state the club was in only two and a half years ago. Um, he's he's really really taken it by the scruff of the neck, and he's had some good support. You know, let's not, you know, it's not it's not just him, but he's he's the man leading it, and it's um, it's been an incredible couple of years. There've been some bad bits as well, some some really bad performances at times. Um, but but do you know what I look I look back at um, you know we we I mean Jurgen Klopp is 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 obviously always he's he's been lauded for what he's done at Liverpool, and quite rightly, but the first couple of years weren't 
weren't easy for Liverpool. You know, him getting used to um, the players and, and, and getting them to play the way he wanted them to. I remember there were all sorts of question marks about Klopp um, for a couple of years at Liverpool and then he got it right. And that's what can happen if you have a, a good quality head coach that has a, a clear idea of how they want to play and their philosophy and you give them time and you give them the, the tools to implement it. Um, it. It comes to fruition and we're not saying it's come to fruition for Dean Smith yet. There could be you know, rocky roads ahead but you know, the, the signs look very, very good and he's doing those things with individual players that he's always done, which is improve individual players um, and get them working as a team. And I, I just think he's been he's been an absolute incredible appointment. I really, I really do. Uh, to me, it's up there with, um, with 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 Graham Taylor when I first started watching Villa. You know that same promotion, bit of a relegation battle, and then I mean they challenged for the title. I don't expect that this year, but. You know that that upward curve, um, and Dean Smith's up there. He's 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 producing a similar a similar performance, in my opinion. Yeah, you you mentioned rocky roads ahead. Um, obviously, we're not talking about the the dessert, but um, <laughs> it's a. Uh, you know, people have seen, and even at Brentford, that Dean Smith is a very streaky manager. So, you know, we could go on and win five, six, seven games at the start of the season, but I do expect a, a quite purple patch going into, you know, the mid middle area of the season or the, the just after January. Um, you know, to I, I do expect us to lose a couple of games on the bounce or struggle to win games. Um, and, and, you know, that's something that we, we've seen in, in Dean Smith's, Career, we've seen it at Villa, especially in the Championship. You know, before we went on that ten-game streak, um, we were in awful form, um, and we've seen it at Brentford as well. So I, I hope that you know fans don't get carried away with with how we're doing now, and then when eventually Dean Smith's uh, streaky football comes back, um, we're <laughs> we're not kind of thinking, oh, it's time to to boot him or or you know we'll have fans complaining you know anything higher than 17th in my opinion this this season is 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 job accomplished well i think i think you're looking for um you're certainly looking for an improvement points wise and i think if if you aim initially for for 10 points higher than last season that probably puts you in reasonably comfortable in in the the top half of the bottom half if you like so um you know another relegation battle I think there would be question marks um, I mean it looks unlikely at the moment doesn't it but you, you, you just never know um, he is a streaky manager or he has been a streaky manager um, but he's got different people with him now as well So and he's got a, he's got a different um, group of players different quality of player um, he's, he's got a squad that's receptive um, to what he wants to do, um, he's got Craig Shakespeare with him, who, you know, virtually masterminded the, the Leicester season. Um, so things are a little bit different. Um, I wouldn't expect there to be streaks as such, but there might get you might get a run of two or three games where things aren't aren't so good, um, and 
it's just about how he absorbs that really isn't it and and how he you know how he addresses it rather than just keep going okay what do we need to what do we need to change what do we need to implement you know what's a different approach to this a bit like he did in after lockdown you know he had different plans for different games and he was just very confident that it would work out and you know hopefully that's that's his that's how he will he will continue but i can't speak highly enough of him i'm i'm delighted he's he's villa manager i'm delighted he's stayed and he wasn't sacked um you know in march last year and or this year and yeah absolutely you know long may he be our manager cuz you know it's it's great for the club to have a local boy as well yeah i completely agree uh, a bit of news from tonight as Aston Villa have announced their 25-man squad for the new season. And interestingly, Henry Lansbury has been left out. Um, ahead of Lansbury, Lovray Kalinic, who was loaned out last January to Tolu, has uh, been named ahead of him. Um, you know, for me, we, we spoke about this before we came on the podcast, you know, for, for me, it's a smart decision seeing the troubles we've had with our, our goalkeepers over the, the last two seasons. You know, we had an injury crisis in the championship that caused us to recall Jed Steer from his loan at Charlton, who obviously went on to be a great player in that championship season. A hero. Yeah. Absolute hero. Absolutely. Um <laughs> And then we saw it last year with with Heaton's injury. Um, you know, we we had to bring in Pepe Reina on loan. Um, so you know, we've got four senior goalkeepers, and I, I said this as the as almost the transfer deadline day bulletin. I expected Lovray to stick around because you know anything can happen in football, and the luck we've had with our goalkeepers, it's always great to have you know four senior goalkeepers on your books to. To, to be there just in case you know I think Burnley do a very similar thing and they've all they're all they've all they're all quality keepers in their own right so uh but obviously this isn't about Lovray really it's about Henry do you think this is the end of Lansbury's Villa career or do you think we we perhaps see him in the cup um well I I I, I don't think there's any coming back from this I have to say I'm I'm a bit surprised um that 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 we've gone with four, the fourth goalkeeper ahead of Lansbury. Um, you'd normally back yourselves, particularly as it's not that long really till till the net till they can change the squad. Um, you'd expect ourselves to 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 be able to get through till till January with with three goalkeepers. Um, so I think it's an incredible <laughs> decision, really, and it's a it's a real kick in the teeth for Lansbury. Unless there's something lined up, I mean, he played those. He played all the cup games, didn't he? At the start, at the start of September, and um, yeah, I, I just they obviously just don't think he's he's in any way, shape, or form up to being in playing in the Premier League. And I don't expect to see him play for Villa again. To be honest, I think that's it, um, and it's a shame for him and. You know, I'm sure he's. You know, they say he's a great lad and everything, but it's been a terrible signing, really, for Villa, and and it's been a bad move for him. He was a he was a star at Forest, and you know, it, he's he's obviously gone to try and make a bit of a step up, and it's just not worked for him, and injuries and and everything has has hampered him. Um, 
So it's a bit of a sad story, really. I mean, what do you, what what do you think? Do you think that's it for him now? I think his contract's up, isn't it? At the end of next season, this season. So, um, do you think that's it for him? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd like to see him get get a kind of uh, a final bow, perhaps in the FA Cup, but. I, I don't. I don't think it's the case. I think you know Jacob Ramsey, who who obviously didn't need to be registered because he's a homegrown player under the age of twenty one. Um, I think Ramsey's ahead of him in the pecking order now. So I, f- I feel it is it is his kind of swan song that that he he played in the Carabao Cup and and that's the last we're going to see of him. I think he'll be kept around the club unless they decide to uh mutually d- terminate his contract. Um but I think he'll be kept around the club because they they mentioned um you know M- Mika Richards uh before he was released that even though he wasn't playing he was great for the dressing room. He was he was kind of almost like employed as a internal club mascot kind of thing uh because he wasn't playing and i think i think lansbury's very much the same he's a joker he he kind of lightens the moods at times and you know he he obviously does enjoy being at the club um you know you've seen from when we when we stayed up there was videos and he's you know he's he's screaming um you know sweet caroline and and all the kind of villa songs into i can't remember who's uh whose phone it was. I think it was Pepe Reina's. Um, so he obviously enjoys being at the club, but it just hasn't worked out for him. And, you know, he, he is getting on now. I, I I do believe he might return to Forest next summer on a free transfer unless they do end up getting promoted. But that's not looking exceptionally likely as it stands. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, it, it, it didn't turn out to be the signing that we hoped it would be. And I can remember, you know, times in the in the championship when he'd step up to take a free kick and every single one would go flying over the bar. And I was I was so glad when we signed. <laughs> we, we started putting Hurahan on free kicks. Yeah, no, I, I think that's it. It's, I mean, I remember his, his, his debut and he, he looked really good <laughs> on his debut. And that was one of the last... You know, decent decent games he he played for us really, and it it, it you know it, it is a shame. I never like to see a player, and I, I would never I would never criticise a, a guy like Lansbury because I don't believe I don't believe he brings it on himself. I don't think he's one of those players that that you know opts out if you like. I think he's he'd he'd love to be at a level where he could play in the Premier League, and you know it's a bit of a shame that that. That Crystal Palace goal was chalked off last season because that would have been a real, you know, a real a real boost for him, I think. But um, it's just not worked out, and it'd be nice to, to think that, you know, he can he can go somewhere, poss- hopefully in January, and and um, y- you know, and, and and have a good, you know, two or three years somewhere, you know, playing at a, a decent level. So we'll see, we'll see. But it's it certainly doesn't look good for him at Villa and. There's so many players in front of him. I just think they thought, you know, it, it's best not not to have him, have him in the squad. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a an odd decision. Um, I can't recall off the top of my head in terms of how much depth we've got in midfield. You know, we only need another McGinn-esque injury to to one of our players, and we we could be in trouble. But you know, obviously, you, you back the manager's decisions, you back the club's decisions. So, it, it is unfortunate for Lansbury, but 
you know, so, so be it. Uh, it has been nice, I think, you know, it, it leads are our next opponents on Friday. And I, th- I feel it's been nice to see a bit of the, the, the media hype and the bit of the media attention for Leeds be lost from Marcelo Bielsa's side and kind of be transplanted onto Villa after our unbeaten start and subsequent 7-2 demolition of Liverpool. You know, the, the, there's always a bit of roughness in this fixture regardless. You know, the last time we played Leeds was that uh, crazy, crazy... Uh, off uh, goal scored when Codger was on the floor and then Bielsa ordered us to score directly after and all that stuff. So there's always a bit of, uh, you know, roughness, a bit of an edge to this game. But do you think this game will have, uh, you know, something else added to it with, you know, the the media's darlings versus the, the ones that are actually grabbing the attention this season? I think I think this, this particular fixture um, ramped up really in the last, in the, the, the three years that we were together in the in the championship, um, two two very big clubs with very passionate fan bases in a in the championship was I mean it was brilliant for the for that league wasn't it and the, their viewing figures and and so on but um, there there definitely has been a new sort of edge to this fixture a bit more needle than maybe it's always been a big game um, but certainly. You know, it, it has ramped up, and there has been a bit of toing and froing, and, and and like you say, that game uh, at Ellen Road with the uh, the ghost goal or, or whatever they called it was uh, um, just just intensified it really, and and there was obviously a bit of a bit of needle between the coaching staff and obviously the you know the fans and and the players as well. Um, the Bamford dive, El Ghazi getting sent off. You know, it was it was all there, wasn't it? Um, and you know, we're looking forward to kind of renewing rivalries. It is such a shame, such a shame that 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 there won't be a full house at Villa Park um, because it would have been absolute carnage. I think. <laughs> yeah, you know, Friday night under the under the lights and all that as well. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think it would have been an incredible atmosphere. But I, I think it's a really intriguing game um, because, from Villa's point of view, um, we're playing another team that 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 like to push up um, and like to pass the ball out. And the last team we played at Villa Park, he, he wanted to do that. We we destroyed. So it's whether that Bielsa kind of changes it up a little bit and you know and has a different plan for Villa. Um, you know, having learnt from 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 Liverpool's mistakes, um, and whether obviously Villa can can execute their game plan, it, you know, it could be uh, it could be a really interesting match. Um, yeah, go on. Yeah, on, on the subject of Bamford that you mentioned earlier, you know, I, I never want to see a player get injured, but I would love to see a, you know, Douglas Luiz go through the back of him at least once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this is this is give you something to actually fall over for. Yeah, yeah. I, I I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, not not to get injured, but he's he's certainly become one of those kind of love to hate him type of players, hasn't he? Bamford, yeah. um, bit of a pantomime villain. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's had a good start to the season, and Leeds Leeds have, and you know, let's not let's not um, do them a disservice. They've they've settled into the Premier League really, really well. Um, they, you know, they're not frightened to have a go. Clearly, their manager gives them a great deal of confidence. That they're, they're like his his kids almost, aren't they? And they 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 follow his. his
I, but I think I mean I think Calvin Phillips. It was announced today. He's out. He's out of the game. Um, I'm not sure about Liam Cooper because he had an injury as well. I think so. They might be a bit, a bit, a bit short with injuries um, as well. So it's a really interesting one. Um, I am going to watch this one. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, you know, it's uh, yeah. I don't know what 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 are you thinking? Are you are you are you expecting a an explosive game? Um, yeah, I think so. I think it's going to be a little more entertaining than the Leicester game. I don't think that was a bad game by any means, but I think you know this is going to be a bit more end to end. You mentioned the, the the injuries, and it seems to be a habit of a habit, you know, for Villa at the moment. Leicester were were, were troubled by injuries um, when we played Liverpool. Mane and Thiago were missing through. Um, contracting coronavirus and Alisson was missing you know I feel like there's some kind of like dark magic or voodoo going on here and every every time we're playing someone they're they're going to get their main players kind of <laughs> injured or something I'll I'll take that absolutely all season um very much so and that you know it's certainly maybe been part of the the perfect storm I suppose that has that has led to this this little run um sometimes those things have to go for you don't they and yeah, we've but we've had that in the past where players have been missing and we still haven't been able to to make the most of it. So yeah, um, you know, it, and and with Leeds, although they have important players, their style of play and the system they play and 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 Bielsa's ideas and philosophy is what is what gets them to where they are. They quality wise and um, you know, if you look through their 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 team, they've got players playing way above their level. But they, but they, they've reached that level because of the the great coaching and the, the way they all click together as a team. And you know, I, I don't expect the injuries, although they are big players, I don't expect them to to make that much difference to the way they play. Yeah, completely. Have you ever seen those videos on on YouTube? I think it's a channel called the uh, the Coach's Voice, and they basically like you know speak to managers and say, "This is how I masterminded this, you know, outstanding I- result." I haven't, to be honest. <laughs> they basically sit a manager down with kind of like a tactics board and stuff like that. And, you know, I think the one that I've seen most recently was one with Unai Emery. And they basically say, they sit the coach down and he says like, oh yeah, I tasked this player with doing this and this player with doing this and I told them all to do this, blah, blah, blah. I'm half expecting one at the end of next season. It's like, yeah, I think they call it masterclass. Um and I'm half expecting a Dean Smith masterclass, and it's like how I won the Premier League, and he's just going to sit there yeah. at a table with like a voodoo doll of like Sadio Mane, like poking it, going, "And this is how I won the league." Yeah, yeah, we got rid of these players. Yeah, I know, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how long it goes, but you kind of take it because we've had we've had some really big injuries we have. We, ourselves over the last couple of years I mean Grealish getting injured in that season in the championship you know without that we'd have been stuck down there without him coming back when he did we'd have been stuck down there you know again and he just came back at the right time and and McGinn was injured last season Mings missed a a couple of couple of months and it's you know you you take those little bits of luck when you get them because you know it can go the other way in a very short space of time so you know absolutely you know it's it's going our way at the minute so I'll take it as we usually do to bring a podcast towards the end I want a short and simple uh score prediction under 
Okay, short and simple. Uh, I'm going to go 3-1, Villa. Okay, I'm going to go with a very cagey 2-1 win for Villa. Right, okay. Okay, so we're going to be nervous at the end. Yeah, just ju- just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's probably the best place to end this week's podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please do give us uh, some feedback on social media or give us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. You can subscribe and follow on a numerous platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Pod- Pod- Google Podcasts and so forth. Um, if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do on Twitter at Villa Lamp, on Instagram at Under a Gaslit Lamp, and on Facebook forward slash Under a Gaslit Lamp. And you can keep up to date with all of our opinion writing and news and, and everything else on www.underagaslitlamp.com. Thanks for listening, guys, and up the villa.